Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. Greatest holidays for uh, Thanksgiving would be uh, Passover. But uh, we're going to look at one today, Nehemiah chapter 12, that is a great Jewish holiday of Thanksgiving. So I'd like you to turn to Nehemiah chapter 12, and we're going to look at this great celebration, this great holiday, this great day of Thanksgiving in the Jewish uh, tradition here in the Old Testament. Incidentally, next week we are going to uh, be the first week of December, and we uh, traditionally the last several years have been doing the Advent uh, wreath and candle with a reminder each week of God's uh, blessing to us from Christmas. And we are going to study next week Nehemiah chapter 13 as a transition to our Christmas messages. And it's actually very appropriate. And if you read chapter 13 uh, for next week, we'll see how that fits in to our Christmas celebration. Hey, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we open your word, we want to pray that uh, your words would be heard, Lord, and that uh, our hearts would be open to you and to your word. Each week that we gather Uh, Lord, we do not take for granted uh, the freedom we have. We are thankful for that freedom to open your word, to read it, to consider it, to contemplate it, and and to live by it. And so we just thank you for a place to come today. I thank you for each person that has come. Lord, there are many places they could be and many things they could be doing today. But they've chosen to come and set this time aside to worship with your family. And I want to thank you for that and ask your blessing on your word now in Christ's name. Amen. Nehemiah chapter 12 is one of those sections that the first part of it has a lot of genealogy and names. And um, we're not going to read through all those names today together. But as you do your Bible reading, I I think it's always good to just take time and read through them. Because occasionally you'll see names, especially that you remember, that you note. And also there's there's a reason that they are in God's Word. But these are the families and the people that have settled back in Jerusalem. And after we have these names, we see at the end of verse 7, these are the leaders of the priests and their associates in the days of Jeshua, or Joshua. Uh, Actually, in the high priest, Joshua. And of course, that's the Hebrew name, Yeshua, or Jesus is the same name. And then it lists the Levites together again, who were Joshua, Benai, Kedmai, Sherebiah, Judah, and also Mattaniah, who together with his associates was in charge of the songs of thanksgiving. It's just so appropriate that we are in chapter 12 today on this Thanksgiving weekend, because thanksgiving is a huge theme in this chapter. And you'll notice that these are the men who are in charge of the songs of thanksgiving, Bekbukia, that's a good name if you want to keep that in mind, if you're going to have a baby someday, Bekbukia, and Uni, their associates, stood opposite them in the services. And then we have more of the names of the priestly families. I just want to, we're, we're going to just, we're really going to look at verse 27 on today, but I just want to note here, first of all, that these people were in charge of the songs of thanksgiving. The singing and the organization of the worship the instruments, the voices, the choirs were all, all part of an integral part of the mosaic 
uh, and, and Davidic system, if you will, that uh, David really put into practice in the temple was very important to them and a very regular part and something that Nehemiah paid careful attention to, that he reinstituted this choral singing, this worship leading uh, in, the, in, in, in the temple area and for Jerusalem. And I want you to notice also in this passage, you notice that in verse 9, they, they stood opposite them in the services. And so we have also built into this, this antiphonal singing, where you have choirs singing uh, uh, with or against or in conjunction with each other, back and forth. It's very organized and very well thought out and planned and very important for what is happening. So this is the setting in chapter 12 as they come to dedicate the walls of Jerusalem. We've watched them build these walls. We have watched how Nehemiah was called back to Jerusalem. We have seen the difficulty and the challenges that they've overcome. And they have finished the wall. The wall is built. It's around their city. They, they have their, their freedom to worship. And they are protected. And it's time to dedicate the wall. And again, I want you to look. We'll, just, we'll skip down here to verse 24. After listening several of the names, again, who stood opposite them to give praise and thanksgiving, one section responding to the other as prescribed by David, the man of God. So they have once again, we see this antiphonal singing that is that was was particularly instituted by King David, uh, the sweet singer of Israel. And they practice this antiphonal singing back and forth. As David did. And so the stage is set for this celebration. This has been going on and they are ready and they're serving. And so we come to verse 27. At the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, the Levites were sought out from where they lived and were brought to Jerusalem to celebrate. And I want you to remember this word. This is another very important word in this passage. Joyfully. Thanksgiving and joy are the themes of this dedication of the wall of Jerusalem. They have come to celebrate joyfully the dedication with songs of thanksgiving, with the music of cymbals, harps, and lyres. The singers also were brought together from the region around Jerusalem and it lists the villages. And it says, For the singers had built villages for themselves around Jerusalem at the end of verse 29. They had been anticipating this great celebration and they had built villages around Jerusalem where they have come to live, maybe even temporarily to prepare and get ready for this great celebration of the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem. I can remember in 1966 when we dedicated this building when uh, Jeremy Clark was here, he was looking through the uh, historical archive um, uh, book that that um, was put together for us. And, uh, and, and he was looking through this, this, this book and, uh, and he noticed the, the, the service here and the, and, the, and, the, and the things that went on and asked me about that. Uh, many of us were here in 1966. And what a joy it was to dedicate the building, to be a part of, of seeing the building go up and, and to see it dedicated. And, and then later on, when we dedicated the, the Youth Christian Ed, uh, Gymnasium building, the L.A. Peterson Youth Center, which this winter will be uh, used for you know, the women's brunch, for basketball, for receptions. Uh, what a joy to be a part and to remember and to be a part of those celebrations. And so as it, as the, as it was dedicated, 
and they gathered and they, and they brought the instruments. This is we have instruments today. Incidentally, as we read through this passage, I want you to think about, uh, you know, in the New Testament, how much instruction are we given for what we do here on Sunday morning? How much instruction are we given? Where in the New Testament would you go to find instruction for when we gather as a church, that we sing, that we, we, we pray, we take offering, we read the scripture, we study together, um, we have announcements, you know, we, we share this time together. There's actually very little in the New Testament. And it's kind of interesting. This is such an important part of the church and church history for the past over 2,000 years that we just kind of take for granted. And yet if you read the New Testament, there is very little instruction, if hardly any, about what to do when we gather. We'll look at two passages uh, later on. There's the passage in Corinthians where Paul has to address some of the problems they're having at their feast, at their communal dinner that they have together. But there's very little. And part of that, I think, is that there was assumptions that came from the Jewish background because all the early churches were, well, the earliest, of course, Jerusalem church was primarily all Jewish people. And then later on, as the church went out into the Gentile world, in each city where the apostle went, they gathered Jews and Gentiles together. And so they sort of adapted the traditions of, of what the Jews did when they gathered. And much of our service today really is patterned after the synagogue service, um, which, was, which was patterned after the celebrations in the Old Testament. So what we have here in the Old Testament are really the foundations for what God's people do when they gather together. And so this is why it's important to look at these and understand how they fit into what even we are doing today. And we'll, we'll see here this very, very special celebration. So we go back to, to the, at the end of verse uh, 29. Come to 30, when the priests and Levites had purified themselves ceremonially, they washed themselves. You might say they baptized, they water washed themselves as the Jews did to prepare for encountering uh, their time with God and prepare themselves to be clean. Then they purified the people. Then they also purified the gates and the wall. So the gates and the walls were ceremonially cleansed as well. Obviously, they weren't washed, but they were, they were sprinkled, they were cleansed with water to prepare. Now, look at verse 31. I had the leader, that is Nehemiah is recounting what happened here. I had the leaders of Judah go up on top of the wall. I also assigned two large choirs to give thanks. One was to pre proceed on top of the wall to the right, and then he lists the gates and where they're going, who's going to follow them. And then, uh, as you read on, You'll notice that the, at, toward the end of verse 36, they went with musical instruments prescribed by David, the man of God. At the fountain gate, they continued directly up the steps of the city of David on the ascent to the wall. They passed above the house of David to the water gate on the east. Uh, the second choir proceeded in the opposite direction. I, the Nehemiah, followed them on top of the wall together with half the people, past the tower of the ovens, the broad wall, and he lists all the places they went. And when they stopped, in verse 40, the two choirs that gave thanks then took their places in the house of God. Now, I have a, a map of uh, Jerusalem up here. And I have Gary, did you take my point? Here it is. All right. <laughs> Got it. Um, so this map of Jerusalem, I don't know if you can see it. Bring turn the lights down for me, Kenton, just for a second there. This is, this is probably about the extent of the, of the city walls. During the time of Nehemiah, there was a wall out here 
earlier that had been destroyed. We can see the remains of it kind of. This is an archaeological depiction, possibly. And you can see the predominant, the predominant feature is the temple. During the time of Christ, in the first century, the walls of the city were probably more like, about like that. But this, this is the wall that Nehemiah, this is the walls they've been working on and they rebuilt. Pretty good artist, you know, reconstruction of how this may have looked. So what you have here, you have one choir uh, going clockwise that is marching along the width of the walls. If, if you go to Jerusalem today, you can see you can walk, you can walk probably about as wide as this platform. You can walk along the walls of the city that's, that's remained in, intact. And they walked around the city, one choir singing, and they came and they met probably right about in here, maybe at this gate here. The other choir, led by Nehemiah, went counterclockwise. They walked around the wall this way. And you get the picture of these, of these two choirs walking around the wall, singing, singing praises to God. They come around the wall and they gather right there at kind of the, the uh, southeast corner of the temple before they go into the courtyard to finish the celebration and to dedicate these walls. It's interesting, we're not told what they, what they, what they sang, are we? What do you think they sang? Thanks, Kent. You can turn the lights back on for me. Thank you. What, what, are the, what do you think they sang? Psalms. Most likely they sang the Psalms. Any thoughts about what Psalms? You know, you know, if you read the Psalms, there are Psalms of sorrow. There are Psalms of calling down destruction on your enemies. There are Psalms of joy. There are Psalms of thanksgiving. There are Psalms about Jerusalem. We aren't told what Psalms they particularly sang, I, let me suggest you a couple of possibilities. Keep your hand there in Nehemiah, and if you go to, if you just go to the, to the book of Psalms, possibly Psalm 48 would certainly make sense on a day like this to celebrate the dedication of the walls of Jerusalem. Psalm 48 is a, is the psalm. Great is the Lord. Most worthy of praise in the city of our God, his holy mountain. It is beautiful in its loftiness. The joy of the whole earth, like the utmost heights of Zephon, is Mount Zion, the city of the great king. God is in her citadels. He has shown himself to be her fortress. And as you, as you read through this, verse 9, Within your temple, O God, we meditate on your unfailing love. Like your name, O God, your praises reaches to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is filled with righteousness. Mount Zion rejoices. The villages of Judah are glad because of your judgment. Walk about Zion. Go around and count her towers. Consider well her ramparts. View her citadels that you may tell of them to the next generation. This is a great verse. This is a wonderful verse. This is a good verse for us to think of today. For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even until the end. We might say even until death. This God is our God. What a wonderful thing to be able to say. Isn't that, isn't that a wonderful thing to say today that God is your God? Amen? He is your God. He is not just a God or the God. He is my God. He is your God. He is our Heavenly Father. And He will, he will be our guide even until the end, we can count on our God. Maybe that's the psalm they sang. Uh, some of you musicians here, you got to take your hand at uh, putting, that, putting that to music. 
Shelly, could you do that for next Sunday? Could you write some <laughs> courses? And I'm sure John can help you. Um, you know, really, wouldn't it be wonderful to, to know what they sang? They probably sang the Psalms, Chris. You're probably right. And, and in fact, this, the Psalter was the hymnal for the, for the Jewish people. The Psalter is their hymnal. And they, and they, and they had to pick out, and, they, and there's a whole litany of songs they sing for various holidays and celebrations. I think the other one that would be appropriate would be the 121st Psalm. I can imagine them singing this psalm as a, as a hymn, as a song. And incidentally, these songs are songs of joy. I know that a lot of times we listen, to, you know, sometimes we hear Middle Eastern music and maybe Jewish music and it sounds kind of in a minor key and so on. But if you go to Palestine, if you go to Israel and you have a chance to, to witness some of the folk dancing and folk music and so on, it's very lively. It's very, um, it's, 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 it's celebratory. It's fun. And don't assume these songs were all sung in a low, you know, like a minor, kind of a doleful key. Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not harm you by day, the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. And then the next song of ascents. You notice if you, if you have a, your Bible, you notice it says a song or psalm of ascents. These were songs that were sung as they, throughout Jewish history as they walked up the steps to Jerusalem. And the next one, I rejoiced with those who said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing in your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built like a city, closely compacted together. That is where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to praise the name of the Lord according to the statute given to Israel. And then verse 9, for the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. Verse 6, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Maybe these are the Psalms. I don't know. You could give some thought to this as well. But they sang these songs of thanksgiving and joy and celebration as they went around the walls of the temple. What a beautiful scene. Wouldn't you love to see this? Wouldn't it be great to hear and to see and experience the joy and the thanksgiving on this day? And then we go back to chapter 12 of Nehemiah, and you will see that exactly, this is exactly what happened. As you come to verse 43, and incidentally you notice there's trumpets, there's cymbals, there's instruments. It's a procession uh, with, with, with brass, you know, and, and with uh, percussion and voices and, and two big choirs and singing. It was a wonderful, wonderful day. In verse 43, on that day, they offered great sacrifices. Now, it doesn't say anything about slaughtering the animals and so forth. It may have been uh, grain offerings, drink offerings. They offered great sacrifices, rejoicing. Now, in this particular verse, in verse 43, the word joy and rejoicing, either in a verb or noun form, is actually found in a Hebrew Bible five times. This is the theme. Joy. On that day, they offered great sacrifices, rejoicing because God had given them great joy. The women and children also rejoiced. The sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard 
far away. One of the one of the uses of joy doesn't come out in the NIV, but it's in there five times in the original language. Joy, rejoicing to the fact to the point that those in the surrounding areas could hear the noise of the people singing and celebrating and rejoicing as they came into the temple and they worshipped God and they gave God thanks. They had so much to be thankful for. We just celebrated Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving's a wonderful holiday. It's a wonderful holiday. Um, and, and, you know, each year as we gather, whatever your situation with friends and family, to, to just stop and to give God thanks. To enjoy a family, to enjoy a meal, to enjoy your time together. A time of thanksgiving. You know, we gather each Sunday like this. And we call this our worship service. This is our worship service. And again, our worship service is, is patterned after really the Jewish traditions that come from the Old Testament that came into the time of the Gospels in the first century. And the pattern was pretty well set. Really, since the church has been meeting, they have been doing pretty much what we've been doing. They've been gathering. They have, we know they sang together. Look at, look at the two passages that really give us some, some insight into this. Go to Ephesians chapter 5. There are really two Pauline passages that really speak to what, what they are to do when they gather together corporately, as a group. You know what? And this is important. And again, as I prayed in my prayer, I want you to know, I am thankful that you're here today. I know in our culture and our society today, there are so many things competing for your time. We are all so busy. We live further away than we ever have from our places where we come to gather. Your families are busy. You're busy. And yet you've taken time aside on this, really the, the prime time on, on a Sunday at 11 o'clock to come here and to share corporately. And you know, there's a lot of voices today. Unfortunately, from my perspective, there's a lot of voices in, even in the Christian church, Christians, who are saying, you know, corporate worship, gathering together as a church family is, is not needed. It's not important. You can do this on your own. You can do it just effectively. We all know that. I mean, come on. I, we all know that throughout the week you can and you should worship. But the church has been gathering for over 2,000 years as a family of God like this to worship together. There's a reason for it. It's important. You have a ministry. You're just you're sitting here today. Just your presence. If you feel like, you know, I don't really have anything I'm doing right now to serve God. Just the fact that you are here today is an encouragement to others. You are participating in the corporate life of God's family. It is good. It's a ministry. It's important. And look what Paul says. And it's really the only two passages that I can really think of other than Hebrews where Paul, where, well, whoever wrote Hebrews simply says, do not forsake the gathering together as some have done. Don't forsake it. But gather together. He didn't say 11 o'clock or 9 o'clock, whatever. But they chose to gather on the first day of the week. Why? Why do we meet on Sunday instead of the Sabbath, by the way? Why is it? This is the day of the resurrection. And from the very beginning, the early church gathered on the first day of the week, not the Sabbath, on the last day of the week. But look at in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19. You know these verses probably. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And as I've taught you before, my own personal opinion, people have different opinions on this. I would not be dogmatic about it. 
I think those three words generally describe different types of music, but I think we've got to be careful about cutting it too fine. I think the, the idea is when you put all three together, you get the big picture, just as we have done today. We have sung, we, we have sung some hymns that were older hymns that have been around for, for centuries, sometimes decades. We sang some in Sunday school this morning. We've sung some songs that have been written uh, while well, we sang an Andre Crouch song that was written, well, how old am I now, Kevin? What was that you said? You know, incidentally, I did the math on that. And I think you said, I think you said, um, I'm not real good at math, but I think you said 36th anniversary of my 24th birthday? All the way around. Okay, well, it makes me about 864 years old, actually, if you, if you consider, if you do the math. Uh, <laughs> if you take each of the, take the 36 and multiply 24 times, Right? Some of you guys figured, you can tell Kevin. You, you guys, well, you guys figured this out for Kevin. You guys help him understand it, okay? <laughs> anyway, there was a time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we sang a song this morning by Andre Crouch that I would consider contemporary because it was written when I was like a teenager. And uh, that's probably not so contemporary anymore. It's probably an old song now. But we've, we've sung songs that were written when I was young. We have sung songs written within the recent years. This picture of psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, the big picture, is, is what Paul is trying to communicate. And this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing this. We are combining the generations, the traditions, the creativity of all generations, including our current generation, to come together to worship God. That's the important thing. We are here today, and I don't need to remind you of this, but I will, because I need to be reminded of this, because my human tendency, my human tendency is to focus on me. That's just part of my human nature. When we come together like this, it's not about me. And it really doesn't matter when I leave this place today if I can say, well, that service didn't do anything for me today. That's not why we're here. We're here for Him. We're here to think about Him. We're here to worship Him. And we can do this with a variety of styles, written from a variety of times, with a variety of instruments. Sometimes it's these instruments. Sometimes it's different. With a choir, we could do antiphonal singing like that. We could do, we can do it as we're worshiping God. That's why we are here today. And Paul says, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart. He's writing to the church. He's not writing just to individuals. He's writing to the church made up of those individuals. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's one. The other passage is sort of the sister passage to this, I say, and that's in Colossians. And in Colossians chapter 3, you have almost identical language used that, that Paul writes to these churches in, in, in Asia Minor, in modern day Turkey. Excuse me. This is really the only thing we have that's really instruction when they get together as far as the, the worship time and you know, the, the singing and expression of the worship. 
Let the Word of Christ, verse 16, dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another. Notice the importance of the, of the music. With all wisdom as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And again, with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Do you notice in both places the consistency of thanksgiving with your worship. We gather to give thanks to God through our music, our meditations on the Word, our sharing together, as, as Kevin shared, the prayer requests today, and the praises. That's all part of our bringing worship to God when we, when we receive our offerings. We are doing it with thanksgiving to God. And you notice how this tradition, going back to Nehemiah chapter 12, they gathered and they rejoiced and they gave thanks as they worshiped God. I just, just as we close here, three things. Uh, Kent and put this one up for me. The first one. And that is that worship is celebration. Cor- corporate worship is a time of celebration. There's a time to be contemplative, if you will, in the right sense. And, and quiet and thoughtful. And there's, but it's all part of what we are celebrating God's goodness to us. We are celebrating. You know, we don't deserve. Do you deserve God's grace and goodness? Huh? Anybody here? I don't. I know better than anybody that I don't. But we celebrate. We prepare. You notice in Nehemiah how Nehemiah prepared. They didn't just show up around the walls of Jerusalem and say, let's see what we can come up with. Hey, would you lead a choir? Would you lead a choir? No, they prepared for it. Great preparation went into it. I want to thank our worship, our worship team, our worship leaders at our church. Each Sunday, one person takes the lead in organizing the worship. And, and they work on it throughout the week, early in the week. They're pretty much by Tuesdays prepared. They take time. Our worship committee meets every month and takes time. And they celebrated in, in Nehemiah's day with the preparation. But you notice the joy and the community. It was a community worship time. It was corporate worship. Second thing is, you'll notice it was a time of thanksgiving. You cannot miss this in Nehemiah chapter 12, and neither can you miss it in Paul's writings in Ephesians and Colossians. The few places we have any instruction. The word thanksgiving in the Greek, in the New Testament, actually comes from that word charis. What other word do we get from charis or charis? Huh? Grace. It's, the word, it's, a, it's a very multifaceted word. It works for grace. It works for thanks. The Eucharist, the reason it's called the Eucharist, because the Bible says Jesus broke the bread. He gave thanks. And it's the word charis, charis there. It's, it has to do with joy. It's a, it's a wonderful word. And the, and, the, and the time of corporate worship, friends, is a time for joy and thanks of God's grace. We acknowledge God's gifts and generosity given by His grace that I don't deserve and you don't deserve. That's what we do when we gather for corporate worship as we do each week. The third thing, I'm just, just some thoughts I have on this, and that is the dedication. Notice the last paragraph. As they did this, at that time men were appointed, verse 44, to be in charge of the storerooms for the contribution, first fruits, and tithes. From the fields around the towns, they were to bring in the storerooms, the portions required by the law, for the priests and the Levites. For Judah was pleased with the ministering priests and Levites. They performed the service of their God, the service of purification. 
as did also the singers and the gatekeepers according to the commands of David and his son Solomon. What you have here is this dedication. At the end of this service, they dedicate themselves to making preparation so that the people of God can continue to... And it, it costs money. These, these singers and worship leaders were supported by the community. They brought their grains, they brought their food, they brought their offerings, and it supported the whole Levitical system. They committed themselves and they dedicated themselves that they were going to now do this as they were supposed to have been doing all along. Because they were dedicating themselves as part of their worship to continuing providing for the worship of God. Again, I wanted to stop here and say, God bless you, the congregation. You know, we're not a wealthy congregation. We're a very average congregation. Like Paul says, look around you. He says, where are the, where are the rulers and the extremely wealthy? They're not here. You know, we have a variety in this, in this house today of, of, of people who have more and people who have less. We're just an average congregation. But once again, uh, you have given sacrificially. and You've committed. We, have, we, we set a goal of 120000 We surpassed that goal to support mission work. And that's so important. And I thank you for your generosity. And each week of bringing, and I know it's sacrificial. I know that your, your gifts and, and my gifts could go to a lot of other things that you could enjoy. But you have chosen to give sacrificially to God. Why? Because you worship. Because you're willing to express your worship and love for God by returning a portion to Him. And that's what they're doing here. This dedication goes much further, though, than just the the resources. It goes to their heart's desire that we are going to continue to serve and to worship God. This is a great chapter. It would be really nice, you know, thanks, Canton. It would be really nice if we could just close the story here. And as they say in all the fairy tales, they all lived happily ever after. Read chapter 13. (laughs) That's all I'm going to say. Because we're going to talk about that next week. And we'll talk about why that connects with Christmas. You know, Thanksgiving, as the family of God, it's so important. As you, as you think about this chapter, I want you to remember these words, these key words for worship, celebration and joy. Celebration and joy. It's, it's not always just happiness as the world defines it, you know, how to be happy and so forth, but it's deep joy. I want you to remember that word, thanksgiving. The people came and genuinely expressed through music, through worship, their heartfelt. This, this is one of the pinnacles in the Old Testament. Not a whole lot of them. Really, you think about it, there's not a whole lot of them. There's some pretty low valleys. This is a pinnacle. Joy, celebration, thanksgiving, and dedication to God. You know, I get, I get, uh, I especially enjoy reading missionary letters, and after having the experience of being on the mission field, even this past year, and um, we enjoy getting information. And I get people pass on things to me, 
And somebody on Wednesday night uh, passed this on to me, and I don't even remember who gave it to me. Like Kevin said, I'm 860 years old now, and I can't. <laughs> somebody handed this to me on Wednesday night, and for the life of me, I can't remember who gave it to me, but I know who it's about. It's, um, it's Betty Oberg's uh, nephew, Jay Toller. And uh, Betty, someone gave this to me on Wednesday night. It's their, it's their newsletter. And the reason this is important to me is I've had a chance to meet Jay. And he also shared in a Sunday night here. Missionary, they worked in Joss in Nigeria where the Petersons served. Uh, they worked with the uh, school there, an academy, sort of like Rift Valley Academy where our kids in Africa go. And he was a, a teacher, instructor, mentor. Uh, his family, his, his father, uh, Betty's brother-in-law and, and her sister, uh, medical doctor, you know, medical doctor, missionaries in Africa for all those years. And uh, I appreciate his presentation. But over the years, Betty has kept me up to date on this. And I, I knew that um, he's, not, he's not very old. There's a picture of his family here uh, with, with young children. And uh, Jay's newsletter came out, and here's, here's his newsletter says, I continue to experience the dis- deterioration associated with ALS. They had to come home from, from Africa because it gradually came upon and become obvious that he had ALS. I have lost approximately 90% of my upper body strength, approximately 25% of my lower body strength, Approximately 40% of my speech capability, and I know that's true. We've, Betty, we've talked about this, and it's been very hard. But he didn't want to come home from the mission field. fought hard to stay in the mission field, but they had to come back. But here's what caught my eye as I was preparing this message here, and whoever gave this to me on Wednesday night, when I got home and read this. However, thanks be to God. I continue to be able to function at a fairly high level that has been due largely to my incredibly patient and long-suffering wife, numerous family, friends, and co-workers. Thanks be to God. And the verse that, that is, leads into this, the, the verse at the top of this newsletter, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You want to know what God's will for you today is? To give thanks in all circumstances. And then on the back side, as he says, our theme for this letter is reflected in this verse that I just read to you. We are giving thanks and praise to God for the many ways he has blessed us. And we would like to share some of those blessings with you. And the rest of the page are the blessings that they highlight one by one that God has brought into their lives. Even, even including that, that the progression of this disease in my life has been remarkably slow. In fact, while 80% of the patients were diagnosed the same time I am and passed away, the Lord continues to sustain me at a fairly high level of functionality. And I, and I read that, and I, and I read this, and I thought about this on Thanksgiving, and I was reminded... As we have been reminded as a church family, as we have been reminded as a church family this past month, and will continue this week, 
and in the weeks to come. This is what this is what defines our Christian faith more than anything. Is that we are able only by the grace of God to give thanks in all things. Not pick and choose. Not the things that the world would look at and say, oh, that's, that's tragic. How could you be thankful? No. The Bible says, and I know it's easy for me to stand here and say this, but I have walked through that valley with families and friends. It's easy to say, but it's by the grace of God that we give thanks in all things. This is God's will for you today. And I ask you today as we leave this place. You know, we gather on Thanksgiving and we share the things we're thankful for. Are there some things in your life? Are there some things down the road you're looking at that are the kind of things you wouldn't choose? You wouldn't choose these things? And yet, as you look at them and say, you know what? We're going to give God thanks in all things. I will close with this. I really like this quote that he has in this backside here. It's from the Bible Study Fellowship Notebook. BSF Notes. Let us not pray for easier lives, but for greater power to bring blessings out of every pressure and trial. The people from miles around Jerusalem were astonished at the joy and celebration. Listen, this was not a huge city. This was not a wealthy people. This was a toehold in Palestine, if you will. There were enemies all around. This wall would not stand, withstand an army. They were, they were still captive people. They were still under the Persian domain. They were not a free people. But they celebrated and the joy was heard throughout Palestine, literally. And as family of God, as we celebrate, as we rejoice, as we give thanks in all circumstances. This is what can be heard. And this can be used to draw others to Christ. To say there's something so much deeper, something so much real, something so much genuine there. It's only by the grace and love of God. Amen? It's a wonderful story. I have to ask you to read chapter 13. <laughs> We'll get through it next week and prepare our hearts for Christmas. Gary, come and lead our closing hymn. In our tradition, we're not a real expressive crowd, are we? We're, we're pretty, we're pretty uh, tame, um, but that's who we are. But come on, and I'm, I'm, as, I'm as tame as anybody. <laughs> but if you love God today, and if you are thankful, if you are thankful to God today, let me hear an amen. Heavenly Father, we are a thankful people. We don't always act like it. 
Uh, and you're a loving and patient God. Uh, we look at the Old Testament and it's so easy to criticize and wonder how, how, could they, how could they miss it. But Father, we have the Holy Spirit in our lives. And sometimes we act like we miss it too. But God, we are a thankful people. We do love you. We are thankful that you've chosen to love us. God, I'm, I'm thankful for the reminders, like this newsletter I just read, and the things that our church families have been through. I'm, I'm reminded and I'm thankful for those reminders that you interject into our lives to kind of stop and just remind us again. All things work together for good. It's not my good. My good really is not that important, God. But it's your good. And you're working all things together for your good. That your name would be praised. That you would get the glory. And it's because of that we are a thankful people. As we approach the Christmas season, uh, Lord, might we be a shining light to our neighbors and friends of why this time is important to us. It's the story of your love and our salvation. And may you draw others to Christ. Might they hear it in the surrounding hills, the joy and the thanksgiving. In Christ our Savior's name, we have gathered today and we leave this place rejoicing, thankful, and dedicated to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.